Please welcome, please welcome, welcome. This is another episode of the Defenders of Business Value podcast, a podcast where we talk about what makes a business valuable, learn the tips and tactics to increase your company's value that only veteran dealmakers know. And now here's your host, Ed Misogland. Welcome to another episode of Defenders of Business Value. I'm your host, Ed Misogland. And today I want to talk about business value. And the thing, the thing that I want to, to focus on is different types of value. And a lot of the people that are, that I'm working with or that have contacted me over certainly the last couple of years, there seems to be a disconnect over, over value. Not necessarily, not necessarily disagreeing of, of the value of their company, but how there can be different values depending on who is valuing the company. And that is the topic today. I want to talk about value is in the eye of the beholder. And so I want to, I want to focus on that. Let's go ahead and begin with talking a little bit about, you know, most businesses have a cost, I shouldn't say, yeah, a cost of, of equity capital. All right. A cost of equity capital of between 20 and 30%. All right. That's, but the problem you, that we're bumping into is that most business owners don't generate those types of returns. And you'll, you will have heard me say over and over again that business value is, is about growth, expectations and risk. And when we talk about earnings, we're talking about how much can I pay myself or someone to run my company? How much debt can I service? And how much of a return of and on my investment can I get? Those are, those are the drivers of the value. And yet, um, business owners aren't able to generate, um, that those types of returns, um, over the cost of capital. And what ends up happening is we get what's called a value gap. The value, you know, the, the, the value, the owner's perception of value versus the buyer's, you know, you have this delta between the two of them and where you find buyers that aren't, you know, that recognize. And we talk here in a, a couple of weeks, we talk to uh, John Murillo about drivers of value and, and the buyers that I'm referring to are, are citing that the business owners just don't take those returns and reinvest in in the company and as a result we have <clears throat> we don't have growth all right we don't there's we don't have growth in a number of different in a number of different ways meaning that we're not reinvesting in equipment we're not adding people we're not entering new markets we're not bringing out new products or services those are the kinds of things instead what we're doing is we're just relying on on a, a standard earning stream and that creates some challenges all right next um i think i want to reinforce that a business has has a ton of different values that are all right depending on who it is and when we're talking about valuation in a in a sale environment each respective buyer has their perception of risk and that risk affects the value so now when we one of the things that 
and it just happened this week where I was reviewing a business valuation and it was what's called a fair market value valuation. And it was based on, you know, the principle of substitution and, and the business owner, you know, and the appraiser. And, and I, I mean, for the purpose that they were saying it was right, but they took their fair market value appraisal and they were bringing it to me um, from a market standpoint. And, we had different differing opinions and and what i wanted to share was that there's a difference in how we approach that value and because they're looking at at public returns and applying it to private companies so let's talk a little bit about those the differences so from a corporate structure the the public market is a c corp the private markets can be cs sole proprietorship llc lp it, there is no difference the public markets are the value is established by the market and private markets value is established at a point in time so for example with the public markets you're able to go you know it to any any uh you can go to to apple and pull up the stock and you can see the value of that company right now and with private companies you have to have a buyer that ready, willing and able to buy for you to determine what that market value is for private markets. We have they're able to have public or they have access to public capital, meaning they can raise debt just like that. But with private companies, they don't they don't have access to that and they have to get loans from various capital providers. So in public markets, the owners have have very limited liabilities. The private companies, the owners have unlimited liability. In public companies, the owners are well diversified, meaning there's all kinds of shareholders. In private companies, owners tend to be, you know, um, concentrated, meaning there's there's a few of them. So in public markets, there's professional management and private companies, there's owner management. The comp in public markets, we have an infinite life the, that the company is built to have an in infinite life. And then private companies, you tend to see, um, businesses only lasting a generation. In public markets, we talk about liquidity. Liquidity is meaning I, I have, uh, the ability to convert my, my shares into cash within three to five days. In private markets, you have to actually sell the company, and that normally takes six to 12 months if it's going to sell at all. Um, in the private or in the public markets, profit is is the goal. Right? Not that every business is profit is the goal, but theirs is profit maximization for the shareholders is. For private companies, it's personal wealth creation. Those are that's how how the the differences between the two. So and the biggest the biggest takeaways I want you to to you know as you look at or as you think about what I just said, it really comes down to liquidity and risk, right? Both <clears throat> and access to capital. Those are the three drivers. So public markets have, <clears throat> um, you know, they are they have the risk is diversified. They have access to capital. And their their intent their their intent is to grow the business and and 
as well as the liquidity. They are able to to take your whatever fractional interest you might own. They can you you can create liquidity three to five days in private in private capital mark. I'm sorry, in private companies you cannot. So now, um, let's talk a little bit about the types of value. So, so value today, you know, it's historic and forensic. And this is, this is, um, Rob Slee of private capital markets. He, he had a, he, he really did a great job at identifying how this is, how this plays out as far as value is concerned. And we're going to talk about what he calls value worlds here in a second, but today we're looking at compliance um oriented valuations and some are measured with singular certainty those are that's how value is defined today now as i mentioned to you he has he he had a a great way of looking at it as far as he called them value worlds and and according to his what he called the value world theory the the motive leads to the reason for the appraisal, the reason for the appraisal selects the value world, and the private v- business value is relative to the world in which it's viewed, and therefore the private company has dozens of correct values at any point in time. So, as we were talking about value worlds, um, the different types of value, and I don't know whether that's a, a Value world is the appropriate term or not, but let's just let's just say these are the different types of value. So you have market value. That's the world I live in. So that's what the open market says that the business is worth. And and we use the asset approach, the assemblage of assets. We we look at financial buyers and then we look at synergy. And those are are the the values that could be under market value. So in other words, we, it's what we call strategic or, or synergistic value. Um, we look at asset value, you know, what, what is it for a financial buyer? Um, and so that's what we use for market value. And that's probably the, if you're listening to this podcast, that's probably the, the valuation you want is <clears throat> what does this company what is your company worth on the open market? Then we move into fair market value, and that's what I, the IRS and courts say it's worth. You have the owner, the owner value, which is what the, clearly what the owner thinks the business is worth. You have investor value. What if you're raising money? What does the investor say it's worth? You have collateral value. What's the bank say it's worth? Um, and then you have insurable value. You know, uh, startup value, um, public and fair value, fair value, meaning that there is no there are no discounts. And so you can you can see that there are so many different types of value and all of them can be right based on who who is the author of the valuation and and what its purpose is for. So keep keep in mind that that's what we're what we're we're looking at. Um, so the authority of the value. So in in my case, the market value. I tend to be the authority because I'm in it. I'm the one seeing what businesses are selling for. And and again, by virtue of taking a business through the process, 
we're able to determine what market value is, regardless of what we think, what we believe that the business is worth. And the process is the expert in our world. And so the, you know, when they're in these different types of value, in the case of, of competing authorities, the one with the most compelling argument wins. In my case, and let, let me just give you an example, <clears throat> you know, when it, rather than use what, what happened with me, I, I want to talk about a, um, another expert witness. And let's just say it was, it was for equipment. I did an extensive analysis on, on a bunch of equipment and the judge, you know, the judge was really, you know, impressed with all the work that I had done. And here's this guy that does not have the credentials I do. And he walks up and he said, he takes the stand and he says, judge, you know, I, I know that the work that this guy did is, is, um, thorough, but I'm telling you, I was at an auction two days ago and this is the value of this equipment. And he brought, you know, he brought the evidence and despite Despite all the work that I had done, and, and for me it was a, a compelling argument, he had real. He had he, his information was superior, even though my credentials were better than his. And so, again, he had the compelling argument, and that's my point: is that depending on who who is who is the authority or the arbitrator of of that value, they're the ones that determine you know um, who wins. So. You need to also remember that with each of these types of value, the earning stream differs. All right. So an owner's value is when we're looking at just that, how much benefit to the owner. And then we then we use valuation from there. And then depending on who the buyer is, and we've talked about this a, a number of times with the guests that we've had on, is risk. Risk differs depending on who the per who the person is and what the what this particular reason for value is. So a synergistic purchase, the earnings would be different because I may not need all of the the um, the back room because I'm going to merge it in. I may not need the facility because I have excess space. So my so for me, I'm picking up, these are the earnings, the earning savings that I'm picking up. And since we're in the same business, we don't have the same risk that an individual buyer would have. So the earnings expect or the earnings, the benefit stream or the earnings differs depending on who the buyer is. And then the return differs depending on the risk. And now we move into the highest price, you know, in my world, the highest price is market value, okay, for private companies. And and it is for the assets or the stock of the company. And we look at at you know the asset and the you know the comp the the assemblage of assets, you know, who's the who's the buyer for those assets? We look at financial buyers and we look at synergistic buyers. Those are the three types. And who are who are those authorities? Those are the authorities are MA folks and, and business appraisers. And that's how we look at and why we're the authority, because we are the boots on the ground. And 
you know, when we, well, let's just talk, you know, we were just talking about the asset, um, you know, the asset approach. Well, the asset, you know, it's just an, it, it is a, it is an operating business without, without goodwill. And it is a, it is a challenge under the asset value because you're, you're not getting credit for any kind of goodwill. And that creates problems because especially in, in, in service type businesses, you know, that is the essence of the value of the company. So when we move into, you know, the income stream, let's talk a little bit more about that, that when we talk about the income stream or the, the, the earnings versus the multiple. So financial and synergistic value, the, the earnings stream is, is the earnings stream times the multiple and everybody uses EBITDA. So earnings before interest taxes, depreciation, amortization times an acquisition multiple. All right. The stream, the earnings stream differs depending on who that buyer is. And then the buyer brings the multiple. And why is the buyer bring the multiple? Hopefully by now you've, you've learned from me that the buyer, the risk profile of each buyer differs. So regardless if it's a company or a person, that, 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 that risk is their risk. You, we can't quantify it. And that's part of my problem with fair market value appraisals that show up at my doorstep is they're saying, well, you know, given the alternative investments to, where this, you know, where, where a hypothetical buyer can invest their business, their earning or their return on investment needs to be 13.75%. Well, that's nice, but that's not real world. In our world, it's, it's each buyer has their own risk profile. You can say it's a hypothetical buyer based on all kinds of other, all kinds of other alternative investments. But in, in our case, it is not the case. In our case, we're, we're, like I said, the process is the expert in value. All right. So now I, I wanted, and the, and let me continue on this little bit of a rant. So if you have EBITDA, all right, you know, you have a, let's just, let's just take an example. You have a reported EBITDA of 1 million. We recast it and it's now 2 million. And a synergistic EBITDA is three million. All right, and now we use let's just say a five multiple. So your value with reported EBITDA, so one times five is five million. Recasted two times five is ten million, and synergistic recasted EBITDA is fifteen million. So you can see, depending on who, who whose earnings you use will differ depending on depending on the the earning stream. All right. So we use market data to determine how a buyer typically behaves toward an investment. But when we move into synergistic values, it it's a whole different ballgame because as I said, Unless you know who that synergistic buyer is and why they're doing it and what they're saving, you have no idea. So it is, so it changes and will, um, it will be difficult for us to, to determine it without taking the business to market. Now, 
you know, most private companies want to increase the value of, of, of their company and in, 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 in not only market value, but in strategic value. They want the, they fail at, at times, they fail to understand that the acquisition multiple um, is specific to that buyer. And again, I'm, I know I'm reinforcing that, but it, this is the big takeaway. And that risk affects their multiple because the multiple is risk. And then the return is, you know, what is the EBITDA available post acquisition app? So again, I pay myself or someone to run it. I pay my debt and I get a return of my, of and on my investment. So how, you know, that drives my value and how am I going to be able to grow the business or, or do I choose not to, but that's what the buyers are looking at. So now, um, let's look at fair market value. All right. As I said, I, I, I received a, a, an appraisal this, this week and somebody you now was, was somewhat distraught over, over my, um, my opinion of their fair market value uh, appraisal. And, and again, fair market value is perfect for IRS and courts, but it's not, it, it's not so much in my world. And so, so the question becomes, will fair market value mirror the reality of the marketplace? I don't know. I don't know if we're ever going to get, we're ever going to get to that place um, in valuation where where we totally understand, um, you know how how I think we can get there with a range. I'm not certain we can get there as a specific number. Now I want to talk about transfer channels. Like how do you transfer the business out of out of the you know, from your ownership to someone else. And, and again, a lot of this depends on size, but generally speaking, these are the, these are the ways you can transfer your ownership or divest yourself of ownership. One, you can, you can give it to, you can go to the employees. You could go to charitable trusts. You can go to the family. You can go to other co-owners. You can go to, to outsiders. All right. And retire. You could go to outsiders and stay with the business, or you can go to, um, or take the company public. Chances are you, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably not a public company. But when we go to, to employees, I mean, we're, we're often talking about, um, ESOPs, um, and, and management buyouts. When we're talking about charitable trusts, we're talking about, um, you know, charitable remainder trusts, um, um, donor advised funds, things like that, where the, the business has, um, has been sold to, you know, sold into a trust and either is, is being used for pet family purposes or for charitable purposes. If we go to the family, it could be gifts. Um, if it goes to other owners, Again, that's buy sell agreement. If it's to outsiders, that's my world where we sell to, um, you know, to independent third parties. If we are looking at 
outsiders and you continue to, to stay in the business, typically in private equity. Um, you know, those are our roll-ups and then public companies are, you know, what a public company is. So the question is, and this is kind of tying this up. Do most owners want to create value in their company? No, it, they don't. And, and this isn't a, a wrong answer. It, they just don't. They want, they want to create a lifestyle. Um, they want to create a lifestyle for themselves. And, but is there anything wrong with it? No, it, there's, there's nothing wrong with it until guess what? Until you go to sell. And then we have, then we have an issue because now we, we are in a, um, you know, we are in a bit of a, um, a challenge on how to effectively transfer that company out. And so when we're, you know, typically these things happen on a 10 year cycle. All right. So, so you, in, in our case, um, you know, we're probably from a timing standpoint, it's, it's always good to sell a, a, a good business will sell in any environment. I think you're going to see for the next couple of years, it's going to be somewhat volatile, but then I think there's plenty of time to capture, you know, great opportunity to, to, to sell. So, um, so at any rate, I, I do think that, that as we continue to, you know, the, in election years, it's kind of hit or miss, you know, chances are, um, our sales tend to increase, you know, uh, when there's a Republican president, just just is I, I don't, you know, I, I kind of have my opinions as to why, but nevertheless, there is, you know, that's that's just often the way it the way it is. So I would anticipate, you know, twenty four into twenty five, we start to to pick up pace as far as you know more more people selling um, and more people buying. I wanted the business owners that are listening to remember that they control the transfer value, right? They, they ultimately decide where, which of those transfer channels they want to pursue. Now, certainly I, I strongly suggest you talk to your accountant, you talk to, to an exit planner, you talk to you know, even your attorney about, you know, if they're versed in, in M&A and, and transfer channels, what is, what is ideal for you? Because it may, it may differ because remember you have, you know, and let's just talk about, let's just revisit the, the values as they increase. So asset value is the lowest. Then we move into management buyouts, which are more investment value. You have ESOP again, remember what we were talking about. Those are government, the government fair market value determines, determines what fair market value that value world. Then you have, you know, equity recaps. All right. So, you know, when we have private equity groups that roll up companies and the business owner gets to keep a, 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 a fractional interest of the company, that's a financial market value. Then we move into negotiated. All right. That's more, you know, um, when we move, take it through our process, that's owner, owner value. And then we have, you know, through uh, owner value and then synergistic value. And then I told you in, in this case and our in for my audience, chances are it's not public value. We don't have to address public value. So everybody 
needs to understand, you know, the, you know, that they need to create value in their company. And that's always been the, the challenge. And, and there's nothing wrong with it. But for those, for those of you that aren't selling in, in the next, you know, two to two to four, even five years, you know, there's some, there's excellent opportunities to, to begin the process of creating value. What can you do? You can stop, you can stop being the person that drives all of the earnings, right? If you go away for a month, what happens to the company? If you have customer concentration, how do you diversify that? If you have supplier concentration, how do you do that? Um, do you understand the cost of acquiring a customer? These are all, and this is just the very tip of the ice, iceberg about the things that we, <coughs> that you need to understand in order to create value. So to kind of conclude this, um, you need to understand when, it, it, for those of you that are, that are moving into this, and I'm thinking about selling, you know, the, the whole selling process is more sport than business. I mean, there's some bobbing and weaving and, and those of us that, that know, know the game and how it's played are in a superior position to those that don't. Um, you know, the companies that need the most help. And this is this is has been the case forever. Those that that need the most help are the least willing to pay for it. Um, probably one of the, my you know one of my partners, his name's Larry Metzing, and he has always said, you know, in our world, the deal only starts once it has died. It's just it it it's when our fees are justified and 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 when really the rubber meets the road. You need to understand that the more the more people that are that are involved in in the m a process, those that have experience in it are ideal deal team members though you don't want to have to educate your attorney that did your you know your cousin's divorce as your m a attorney it just it it's going to end up badly for you so the more you care about the deal, the less likely it's going to close. And, and, and I say that only from the standpoint of you need to be sale ready at all times. That's just, that's just good business because as you know, and I guarantee that you receive letters regularly and calls about, Hey, I want to buy your business. Well, if you're always in a position to sell, you know, you can you can field one of those one of those questions and determine whether or not they're that buyer is is legitimate. And then um I think the last thing is you know, there's no guarantees in MA. You may everybody may do everything right and 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 things things still may come go bad and the deal may not get done. We had a deal where, you know, there was some uh, uh, foreign capital that was going to to fund a um, a deal of ours um, for for a family, and at any rate, the the stock market of that of that country um, crashed, and you know everything was done. It was just waiting on funding, 
and it crashed and and killed the deal. So, you know, it's never over until until the the checks get cashed. Um, you know, I think that as as you think about valuation, I hope that the biggest thing you took from it is that there is a there is a wide range of of values depending on who that person is that's looking at your business. So don't don't be offended at it. It just depends who who is doing the valuing. The other thing is that the process is will determine the value by confidentially exposing your business to the marketplace. You will ultimately figure out um, who the buyer is, what the risk is, and 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 that determines your value. You don't have to accept it, but though you know you get two, three, five offers at generally the same price, you've determined market. So keep that in mind. And then and then lastly, you know we. We do, you know, we talk a lot about value and market data that we're we're seeing all the time. And if my door, um, you know, we haven't been around for forty years, you know, um, not sharing information. And whether we do business or not, we are more than happy to share what we have to make sure that you make a great decision. So uh, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed, um, you know, this rant about um about values and and the how value is is viewed depending on who the buyer is and then uh i'll see you next week thanks so much this was another episode of the defenders of business value podcast for more episodes packed with strategies to increase the value of your business visit defenders of for show notes transcripts and free tools to start you on your journey subscribe now so you don't miss any future episodes